Christ above us, Christ below us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us, Christ with us. Amen. Please be seated. There's a refrain that I've heard over and over being a religious professional um, over the years. It's that the gospel is not political. That Jesus was not political. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I know what people mean when they say that. I know what a lot of folks here mean when they say that. They don't come here to be told how to vote. They don't come here to be judged about the way they vote. And they don't want to hear a particular party line from the pulpit. And I can, I can agree with that. Um, because I want everyone to know that this is a house of prayer for all people. I want everyone to know that everyone is loved in this place, regardless of who you voted for. And I know for a fact, because I know all of you pretty well, I think, a lot of you, that there's a variety of political persuasions here. There's Democrats and Republicans and Reagan Republicans and Bernie Bros and Democratic Socialists, people who vote by not voting, libertarians, maybe even a few communists, I don't know. But God loves you all in spite of sometimes and maybe because of, but regardless of, nonetheless, your political affiliation. But to say that Jesus was not political and that the gospel is not political is just patently false. And if you want proof of that, read today's gospel. Because the Pharisees show up, and first of all, the Pharisees were a religious party of the church along with the Sadducees and others, but they were also very political split on party lines with other parties of the church. And we can't just make them out to be simple bad guys because they're the reason why temple Judaism and rabbinic, rabbinic Judaism, excuse me, still exists today. And if you spend time in uh, our, our temple down the street, you'll hear them off-quoting Pharisees. And so some people say they're showing up to do Jesus a favor, Others are saying that they're showing up to ask Jesus not to come to Jerusalem so he won't cause them problems with their delicate relations with Rome and with Herod Antipas. But to say Jesus wasn't political in the moment when he turns to them and says, tell that fox, Herod, I'm too busy for him today, healing and doing my work and I'll get to them eventually, pretty much disproves this notion that the gospel is not political because that was a political statement and a political act. In fact, Jesus calling Herod a fox, it's a huge insult in his day. You might have even been calling him a jackal. A fox was associated with uh, being a carrion animal, an unclean animal, an animal that fed off the carcasses of other dead beings. And of course, Herod Antipas is feeding off the dying carcass 
of Jerusalem and the dying carcass of all Israel because the entire region has been split up into parts by Rome and given to him and his brothers to rule so they won't fight with one another and so they can take care of their little slice. And so Herod is uniquely um, and universally known as an early history dirtbag of a leader. And Jesus points out the fact uh, that he's too busy for him and that he is a fox. And so Jesus is making a political statement, not only with his statement against Herod, but in what he does next. And I I think it's important that we pay attention to what he does next. Well, really, it's what he's been doing all along in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is one long road trip. Things happen on the way, on the way. On the way to where? On the way to Jerusalem. So the first thing that Jesus does after noticing that this Herod, this fox, is waiting for him in Jerusalem as he turns himself squarely towards Jerusalem and says, tell him, I don't have time today, but tell him I am coming. Jesus heads toward the mess. He heads toward a place of impending personal sacrifice. He heads towards the theater of Jerusalem where he will resist this power and these powers that be. And then the second clue he gives us as a church is that he points out how he wants to hold Jerusalem, this place that's known to be a center of violence in his world, and it's still a very violent place in our world. He wants to hold all of its people under his wings as a mother hen protects her chicks, which is a particularly poignant image because what mother hens do, I'm told, is that in the face of danger, they will cover chicks with their wings and satisfy the, the thirst or the hunger of whatever predator animal is coming in upon them. And then sometimes the chicks will survive that attack. So Jesus offers himself in self-giving love to this city, this greatly troubled place. Now, we all live in, in worship. Many of us live, but we all worship here today in the middle of a city. And while we're nothing like the Jerusalem of Jesus' day and the Jerusalem of, G- of, of our day even, we are still a city that contains a lot of violence and a lot of need. We live in a city that needs us to turn our face towards her. And so we are called, like Jesus, to turn towards the mess and walk towards Jerusalem. We're called, like Jesus, to respond to that mess and that violence by pushing back with this self-giving love. 
Now, we have a unique opportunity here in this church. We literally sit at a crossroads. I just figured out a couple of months ago that North Avenue runs east-west. Go figure. (laughs) Peachtree Road runs north-south, so we sit here almost in the middle of a compass rose, don't we? Right in the middle of our own Jerusalem. And we are faced with a moment where uh, we all know of the evils that surround us. We all know of the work that needs to be done. We all know the things that we as a church are called to do. And yet, like Jesus, we can turn ourselves towards Jerusalem or we can turn away and we can respond by covering its most vulnerable with Christ's wings or not. And I say we have a unique opportunity right now. Right after this service, we're going to have our first of many sessions talking about what we're going to do with this land that we sit on. We now own this entire block here in Atlanta. And if you look and watch in your bulletin, you'll see that right next door to us goes is going to go one of the, the, the world headquarters of, I guess, our nation's largest Uh, railway. And all up and down this corridor, people are going to be building on other valuable real estate. And so we're going to probably be sitting on some of the most valuable real estate in this city, if not this country. And so we're uniquely poised to either uh, work to use this in a self-giving way and to use this in a way that can turn us squarely towards Jerusalem or not. So one of the questions we need to ask ourselves in our deliberation is how we are going to offer refuge to the most vulnerable while we remain planted here in the heart of Midtown. And how we are going to be a church that pushes back against the foxes of our day, the Herods of our day the evil in our midst. We'll be called not just to to maximize profit like other buildings will be called to do because they work under that system. We'll be called to maximize love and peace and the betterment of the most vulnerable with what we have here will be called, as Jesus did, to work with this in a self-giving, self-sacrificial way. And so we are Jesus' hands and feet. We are Jesus' arms. We are Jesus' legs that can propel us towards Jerusalem in this moment. As St. Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. But you are the eyes with which he looks, compassion in this world. But Christ has no body now on this earth but yours. And the question that stands before us is, will we take this body and walk towards Jerusalem, gather up the innocent under our wings? and be Christ's body. Will we turn ourselves towards, not away from, 
Jerusalem as we continue our journey together.